All right. So the goal is to see straight. <laughs> well, that's a good idea. <laughs> this week, we're going to try to see straight. Welcome to This Week in Common Sense. That's the podcast where Paul Jacob discusses the big stories of the week. We have talked a lot about Twitter and about the fact that, one, there's collusion going on between the government and social media to censor what we can say. And what, more importantly than what we can say, because probably none of us can say enough to reach everybody, but what we can hear. So it's not just that, oh, I didn't really have anything to say. You don't hear. We don't find out. We don't know when it comes to all kinds of things like medicine and so on and so on in politics. We just can be lied to and the whole world can be hidden from us. That's not good. So, But we're not going to talk about that because we spent quite a bit of time talking about it last week and the week before and the week before. And the, and uh, there, there are two scripts that I, I really wanted to get at. And when Paul talks about scripts, by the way, he means the commentary that appears at thisiscommonsense.org. That's his website that he's been working on since 1999. He writes five pieces a week. And on the weekend, this podcast in audio and video on SoundCloud, your podcatchers, and in video on Rumble. The first one is in the name of equity. And we've covered uh, Thomas Jefferson High School in, um, I think it's Arlington, uh, uh, Virginia, or maybe it's Fairfax. It is Fairfax. It's well known in the area. It's the magnet. You to take tests. You get in. You're smart. It's the smartest pupils. It's uh, it's what well, it was merit-based. And they have been ripping apart the merit-based part of getting into it. But there's a philosophy at work in education. Um that is a little bit like our new free speech regime when it comes to politics. Uh, they don't necessarily want you to get too smart. They want you to do exactly what they want you to do, which is everybody be the same. And we're going to create some utopia like, you know, like the great successes of the past, Pol Pot, Mao, you know, this is this is like so out of the playbook. You think they would have changed some of the language around just to try to fool us. But it's like it's out of the cultural revolution. It's out of of Pol Pot's idea that, you know, if you take everybody out of the cities and we're all starving together, the level of equality reached will be historic, the most ever. And uh, and let me tell you, now, now that I've gone on my rant, everyone out there is going, what the heck is he talking about? I'm talking about the fact that the principal at Thomas Jefferson and one of the teacher advisor folks actively held back the information that students had been national merit winners. That's the PSAT, uh, take it in 10th grade. I was actually, brag, 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 uh, a national merit commended student. And uh, it's funny because, you know, sometimes you feel better on a test than others. And I thought I really did well on that test. Uh, and other tests, not so much. My SAT score, they were going, well, we, we did think highly of you, but <laughs> but now, <laughs> anyway, uh, 
so I was the national merit commended student and my brother was like a finalist. So, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm oh, not bad, but, but, but it was an honor at the time to get something like that. And it wasn't the only one. There were other ones you could get. And all of these were helpful in applying for college and getting into maybe a better college and then getting a better job or a better track or whatever you wanted to get in life. And, and so these meant something. And the idea that my teacher, my principal, would actively know that this honor had been bestowed upon me and could be helpful to me and would hide it from me and purposely not tell me, consciously saying, no, I'm not going to tell him that he got this honor, is just unfathomable. It's like, what sort of person does that? How brainwashed do you have to be? In this case, they were racist, right? Yes. They withheld the National Merit Scholarship and commendations to some students and not others. The ones that, the not others, they didn't withhold it from uh, non-whites and non-Asians. That's what we're about to say. Is that basically the case? You know, I don't know that to be the case because I don't know if any non-whites or non-Asians happen to win. I mean, you only have a few of these. At, uh, I mean, if a high school like that probably has, I don't know, two, three, four, five, maybe, uh, because it's a really... A, our, a, our little school, the school I went to, which had 44 graduating, had yeah. three, three in the in the in the... Uh, you were class. A bunch of fans. In my class. A, you were a bunch of fans. It doesn't even count. What, what, no, it was, a, it was two, fin, two fans and a, and a, and a Japanese uh, boy. Uh, so an Asian, an Asian and two yes. whites. Uh, well, I was one of those who got the, the, the same thing you got, I think. I think. Right. I've never seen it because I wasn't there at a school that day and my little sister picked up the, uh, the award or whatever the thing is. Did she and make I it home with it? <laughs> well, I don't know where it was. I've never seen it. Uh, it never had a very big impact upon my life because of the fact that I didn't get it. Actually, that's, that's actually kind of true. I, I never thought about it much because I didn't receive the award. My little sister got it. Yeah, yeah. But it's worse that they didn't give it to anybody. They just no, they just hid it. And I and I think what with the, with the numbers, it's certainly possible that no non-white, non-Asian personage, uh, you know, would receive the received it. Um, because the stories didn't go into that. And I don't really have a sense of whether it was just that. Now, I suspect it was that. But it's it's also just a fundamental, you know, they might at some point decide, you know what? We've got a bunch of Black and Hispanic students that are outperforming everybody. We have to stop that. We have to shut that down. And by their logic, unless they're racist, that's exactly what they would do. And anybody who wouldn't do that to them is a racist. But my goodness, wouldn't you rush that information to them just like you would to anybody? You achieve something. And that was the whole point in this piece, really, is that it's, it's a sicker thing than just the run-of-the-mill racist, you know, structuring of society it's like a negation of goodness and hard work and talent. And, and those things, we all count on that. You know, I, 
look, I don't, I don't think I'm a dumb guy, but there's a lot of people in this world that I'm pretty sure their brain's function, functioning. See, I can't even say it. No, um, but I'm sure their brain is functioning just a just a nick, you know, as Jerry Seinfeld said, first place, second place, you know, in, in some race, you know, you're a, you're a second off the time. But I think if I went out and ran the 100 right now, there's a bunch of people that I'd be a second or more off the time. And that's just reality. I, it doesn't make me hate my legs. I love them. I'm, uh, you know, back in the day, I might have given somebody who wasn't that good some competition. We can all feel good about that. We can feel bad. I'm glad that there are people who know more than I do. I'm glad there are people who are interested in fields like medicine that I really wasn't interested in because it's a darn important field. It's not the field I think is most important, but you know, if everybody's sick, uh, it immediately jumps to number one. And uh, do we want to be mad at these people because they did better on the test than we did? Is that what this is about? It, did we, have we not gotten past school? And I mean, grade school? It seems like we should. And it seems like any attitude that is when someone does well, we hide it from them, is destructive of everything that I hold deal, dear. It's, uh, it, it's not just stupid. It's not just ideological. It's like there's something sick and twisted about that. And in this world of everything's, we're outraged by everybody's outrage about all the outrageous things that are going on. This, I think, strikes at the heart of how sick we are. And this isn't some weird family on the edge of town. This is the public schools. This are the leaders of the public school, not any public school. This is the leader, the principal of the best academic high school in this four or five million person metro area. That's who is saying, I want to hurt your kid and stop him from getting ahead. And I don't, I've never liked the term getting ahead because, of course, that's all about somebody else. It's like getting something, achieving something. But, but whether it's get ahead or it's just get something you want, you know, I want to live in a society where that is applauded and where everybody feels good because they know they can, they can on the ride home from the parade cheering this person on. They know, you know what? I'm going to work hard because I'm going to, I'm going to do that someday. I'm going to achieve something. Not in that, maybe in this thing I care about over here. This is, it's empowering when people achieve and it's destructive when you hide it from them. Well, certainly we want to promote excellence in society. That's, that's kind of the job of schools. I mean, that's, that's, that's what you think is we're trying you're to right, be better. You're right, except for the certainly. Yeah, but that, <laughs> it, it doesn't make it, it makes, make much sense. Um, yeah, I see your point. You, you didn't uh, concentrate on the race element. You concentrated on the excellence element or yeah. meritocracy. I, I don't really like the word meritocracy very much, but I do do like, uh, well, I do like it if my, when my cat doesn't mess up my, my. Uh, great, camera, it's great, great television. Yeah. All your of cat's a sudden, humanizing you. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, she's she's wants to be touched apparently, but I don't want to touch her right now. Well, anyway, so that's that was that. I think they're touched, but I had another piece about people being touched, Um, and and that was on Friday. It's a heroic life, and uh, last year, it's the first year I remember the uh, the rush to criticize. It's a wonderful life, and a lot of it is kind of feminist uh, oriented that, hey, Mary's really the hero. And of course, you know, unless you're an idiot, <laughs> I hate to say that, that word, or, but I think it's apropos here. You have to know that Mary's sort of the hero. I mean, it's like there's a bunch of heroes in this, as I point out in the script. It's a small town, mythical, but very real in all kinds of ways. And part of what the what Capra does in this is to pull out all the wonderful things people could be. And then when, when George Bailey goes through his little thing with, uh, with his guardian angel Clarence, where he finds out what the world would be like without him, you do, he shows some of the other side and it's a little dramatized. He didn't, this isn't a documentary, um, but you see the, the cold hard side of the world. And uh, and it's it's just a beautiful film, and the fact that it's a beautiful film about a man and a woman who love each other and get married and have a family, which is kind of crime number one in our society or something. Um, there's all this criticism, and of course George is a rotten, no good, you know, and they, I, they don't say it quite that plainly, but. Everything is undercut. He's, he gets mad at the kids, you know, when he's just found out that $8,000 in law is lost. That's back when $8,000 was, was a lot more than it is today, and it's plenty today. Um, and you could see it wrecking somebody. It might bankrupt him, and he might have to go to prison. Now, you know, that's kind of a sad thing. And, of course, his whole thing about he's thinking about killing himself. Why is he thinking about killing himself? He's thinking about killing himself. Not that it's not a stupid thought and not the best foot forward for your family, but he's thinking about his family and he's realizing they're not bankrupt. They'll, they'll, and, and he's realizing he's married a spouse who is one hellacious woman in a real way, in a real way. Not just that Donna Reed is, I think, one of the most gorgeous women who has ever walked the face of the earth, and there have been billions. So, so I'm not, I'm not I don't see it. Uh, it's a big spectrum, and uh, wow. Anyway, but but she's one of the most beautiful. This character is, you know, and so he's thinking about killing himself. But it's it's played up in all the negatives by these folks. Uh, one of them. Uh, uh, Mickey Randall, and uh, and you know the whole thing is that George is not a hero. And he and and this piece is ended by saying we have to look at it through Mary's eyes. And as I point out in my piece, anybody looking at this movie from Mary's eyes sees everything good about George. George is the hero. He's her hero, and. Uh, you know, one of the things that people point out a lot of times we, we addressed was you've got this scene where, of course, he, he never, you know, he never lived. So what happened with Mary? Well, you know, 
since every guy in a you know hundred mile vicinity is going to be going, what? She's not there. She doesn't have a boyfriend. Um, you know, she'd only be single because she chose to be. And of course, that's part of the whole point. And in a and of course, in a movie like this, you know, you do have to kind of do things like not step on your whole thing. I mean, if if he saw her and she's with a guy and has six kids and they're all, you know, they, they all just won the spelling bee or something, you know, it, it might kind of cause him to say, well, maybe I would be better off. So all of this, though, is played up constantly. Uh, Randall talks about this as a, as a movie addressing gender issues and so on. And it, it does address them in a sense because it addresses them in the sense that most people, I think, can appreciate they should be addressed, which is if you marry a stand-up woman, you're going to get a stand-up wife, and that's a really good thing. And if you marry a stand-up guy, you're going to get a stand-up husband, and that's really a good thing. And that the sum of these two fantastic people, because they in this piece, I point out that there's there's, of course, the scene where where George facing prison and bankruptcy and ruin is sort of upset. I don't know why he can't handle his emotions, but I, I mentioned in this piece, I'd kind of flip out, too, I think. And uh, and, uh, you know, hate me if you must. But uh, but it's. There's also a scene because Mary's kind of perfect in every way. And you'd, you'd kind of think that, except there is the scene where she's not happy. George had just come over. It didn't play out the way she had wanted. And she smashes her favorite record, just smashes it and wrecks it. Now, I guess to some people, like if you were a uh, misogynist, you would point out that's a horrible thing for her to do. And she's an angry, you know, but if you're a normal human being, you recognize that these are real people like you and me and that we have challenges and we get upset and we, things didn't go the way we wanted. And we're mad about this or we're bitter about that or we're, and of course, dealing with it in some way and looking to the good as both of these characters constantly do is the way to get past a lot of these things. Movies used to give you some idea how somebody in a situation that you might actually be able to relate to, how they, you know, how they made it through. It's like, that's the magic of old movies. And it's only the magic of these old black and white movies with the same actors, you know, same 17 actors shuffled in and out. The, the magic is really that today's movies are about somebody jumping from building to building in a superhuman fashion and saving the world from weird creatures who are half iguanas and whatever. And not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just, I, I really appreciate the old movies for that reason. And I appreciate movies like Kramer versus Kramer. I noticed was on a bunch during uh uh, the holidays, kind of a movie about real people uh, who, you know, live life and do terrible things and also do heroic things. And that's that's part of the uh, title because we struggled over the title here. Um, but but uh, people do heroic stuff. 
I've known all kinds of people to do heroic stuff. And you know what? My life is better because I knew those people. And, and it, in, in, in a sense, it's what I value most in the people I know and love is, excuse me, is their willingness to excuse me. Uh, but no, it's also their heroism, their willingness to do in an instant what is right without a lot of self-righteous, self-important, um, uncaring analysis that I think freezes a lot of people who, who don't have that sense of, not just the sense of right, but the sense that they're actively on that side. And then I think is, uh, which I didn't really say in this piece quite that uh, way, that's the neat thing about this piece. These, these people, the reason that George and Mary Bailey are such good people is because they're actively, consciously on the side of right all the time. And that's what, that's what religion is for a lot of people. But I have known people who I think were clearly on the side of right all the time in their mind. Not that they were perfect. They were on that side. They stumbled. <laughs> Sometimes they didn't shoot that well. Uh, but, but, you know, they, they tried and, and they knew they were on that side who weren't religious. So it's, it's not, uh, in my experience, it hasn't been confined to some sort of religious belief. But, but you see that inspiring people. The people, you know, a lot of people talk about their religion, not a lot, but some. And, uh, and some of them, I think it's a turnoff for people. And yet I know other people who are devoutly religious and almost never talk about it. Not that they would shy away if you wanted to have the conversation, but you see it again and again and again and again. It just shines through. And, uh, and whether you believe that that shining is, uh, is miraculous or just mighty good uh, is, is another question, but it's there. And, and that's, that's what this movie, I think, gives us. And I think that's why there has to be some way to undercut it. Um, I told someone, a friend of mine, an attorney, no less, years ago, I had been uh, in Arkansas over the holidays. And we generally don't go, well, you know, both my parents are deceased. My father-in-law is deceased. My mother-in-law, who's super and 87, is living, living large. And, uh, and, and, but she's, she's still in, in Arkansas, but we would go there. And of course, at that point that I was telling him this, all of the grandparents were alive and well. And, uh, and I mentioned to him, you know, he said, how was the holidays? I said, well, I went to Arkansas and it's like, it's like spending two weeks at it's a wonderful life. And I think that's a high compliment, not only to my parents, but to, to my wife's parents, um, who were these sorts of people just constantly, you know, I remember as a teenager that, you know, I'm doing about everything I can to, to wiggle out of this, like totally good, decent, you know, uh, quadrant of living that I'm, that I'm in. Uh, uh, so, so even when I wasn't always uh, so fond of, of what was happening, it was always obviously positive and for me, and for life and society. 
And we live in a day and age in which everything's about death. And uh, we don't confront death in a real way, but we're constantly fixated about it. And we're constantly living as if that's what we wanted. And, uh, and I'm, I'm for living like that's not what we want. Let's recognize it for what it is, but let's affirm life. On that crazy limb, what do you think, sir? And then maybe we let these people go, uh, go well, celebrate. I, I was just remembering the last moments of the movie are them singing All Lang Syne, which is Happy New Year. To me. Yes. So it's Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. And to all, good thinking. Only good thinking. No. <laughs> to all. Let's hope even bad people stumble into goodness and have a wonderful year. Okay. Well, the last two weren't so great, so we could we could use it. We could use it upgrade. <laughs> Break the streak. And I'm I'm told that you should never bet against the streak, but I'm gonna bet against the streak anyway. Uh-huh.